as we continue our study of Abraham and his life, looking at his faith with everything that he had in his life. Today we come to a part that is, I think, very enlightening and, and certainly instructive for all of us uh, today. Um, you know, if we read the scriptures uh, as just a historical document, uh, you know, we don't really, uh, we're not able to apply or find the lessons for us. But if we read the scriptures uh, with this mindset that God has preserved these occasions in order that we might learn from the past or learn from those who are in the scriptures, then the scriptures truly and the accounts come alive to me. This morning, uh, um, we're going to be looking at what I've titled an unexpected visitor. Now, I know that we have all been there. Um, probably some of our least favorite times is when we have an unexpected visitor drop in. Because what we end up doing is immediately apologizing for how the house looks or the garage. Um, we try to give what I consider lame, or I can't say for you, but for me, lame excuses as to why I've let the dishes pile up where they have or why there are clothes in the floor. My favorite uh, reason for clothes in the floor has always been, well, I'm, I'm, I'm changing my clothes from season to season, you know. Uh, why the stove is cluttered? Well, I, you know, I was thinking about cleaning the oven, and I had to get everything up. You know, we don't enjoy always the unexpected visitor. We will encounter it also when someone all of a sudden says, well, hey, can you give me a lift somewhere? Yeah, okay. And so you walk faster than they are going to coming to your car in order that you can jump in, throw everything, wrappers in the back seat. You know, we, we, we've, all, we've all been there. This is uh, an instance where Abraham, as we have studied throughout uh, his, the various parts and occasions in his life, uh, first of all, let's remember that he is—he's uh, around 90 plus. All right, so he's uh, advanced in age, and what we find is that there was this uh, time that he—what uh, I call calm waters—was sitting under what's called the trees, the terebinth trees of Mamre. And that's a beautiful part of uh, the uh, Middle East, uh, what we call Palestine. It's at the foothills of Hebron, and it's a very rich and, and fertile uh, area. The trees themselves um, are really quite, quite different. They're, in fact, they are considered giant trees, giant oak trees, and they are, um, there's an area where it just looks like a, 
a dense forest of trees that tower above everything else. It's very beautiful. And we find that Abraham is, is there. The Lord finds him there. And he, he, that's where he had built an altar when he came back to um, when he came back from Egypt. And so it was a place that he, I think, could find some rest and calm. Uh, and so, in my mind, I think Abraham is at a point where he's enjoying what I call calm waters. And the reason I say that it's calm waters is because, Rick, Rick, let's recall, you know, Abraham, so far, because of following the Lord, has had a, a very full, um, unusual life. He was asked to leave. He followed. He was obeying the Lord. Uh, then he had a detour, went down to Egypt, ended up having a, a kind of a mini confrontation with, e with the, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Uh, there was a correction. Uh, then he was perhaps disappointed when he came back up and he gave his nephew Lot the, the first choice. Uh, Lot chose the, the rich valley of Sodom and Gomorrah, and so he went another way. Then he found out that Lot had been kidnapped, and he had to go to battle with several of the kings. Uh, he won, uh, but still had confrontations and ended up saving Lot. So I think I would enjoy the shade of the trees. And he's sitting there and he's enjoying that. But one day, there was an unexpected visitor that came. There were three, in fact, but I want to focus on the one. The Bible says in Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth, trees of Mamre, which is beautiful. So the Lord came and found Abraham as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. Truly, he was in the shade and he was, he was uh, relaxing and he was enjoying, I don't know, perhaps he was enjoying that time of his life. You know, 90 years old, he's earned the right to sit in the tent door and enjoy the shade. However, uh, when he lifted his eyes and looked, behold, there were three men standing by him. Now, let me just make a, let's just do a little footnote here real quick. In the scriptures, in the Bible, we see the word the Lord, all right, the Lord or God or various titles of, of God. Here is a very unique, when it says in verse 1, the Lord appeared, most of the time, if it's just a, a man or it's just someone who is a master, it's, it's the word Adonai. But this word is not Adonai. This word is Yahweh, where we get our word Yahweh. And throughout the scriptures, that word is never applied to anyone of human form, ever. It never has been. We don't find it anywhere. So when the scriptures say that the Lord appeared to him, it was Yahweh, it was God. I, I believe that to be the case. Um, what form he had, I don't know, and it's really unimportant to me at this point. All I know is, is that the Lord appeared to him in the heat of the day. 
he lifted up his eyes, he looked, he saw three men, and when he saw them, and this is what's interesting, 90 years old, he ran. He ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant, please. Uh, let a little water be brought. I can wash your feet. You rest yourselves under the tree, and I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by in as much you've come to see your servant. And they said, do as you have said. Well, then again, not only did he run to meet them, but then he turned and he hurried back into the tent, 90 years old, hurried back into the tent and, and to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And then he left the tent and he ran to the herd. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not 90, and running is only a memory to me now. And I've got good memories, but uh, the last time I ran seriously was uh, what they now call middle age. I pulled a hamstring, and I've never got over it since, you know. But he ran to the herd took a tender and good calf and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. Then he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. That's uh, true hospitality, all right? But more than that, uh, I, I am convinced that Abraham knew that this, this was not only an unexpected visitor, but an unusual visitor, one that he had not anticipated. While they were there and they were eating, they were resting, there was a question and they asked Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, well, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly, and the Lord said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Is that unusual, you know? <laughs> now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. I want us to remember, when we get down to the end of where I'm going, I want us to remember this this label questions all right that's the first one we'll remember then we read Sarah then after hearing that Sarah laughed within herself saying after I've grown old shall I have that pleasure my Lord being old also and the Lord then said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh saying surely shall I surely bear a child since I'm old is anything too hard for the Lord, for Yahweh, for God? Is anything too hard? At the appointed time, the Lord said, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah, on the other side of the tent, behind the, the drawn curtain, I'm sure, denied it. She said, I did not laugh because she was afraid. 
But the Lord said to her, No, you did laugh. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. So the sequence that I will be looking at is, first of all, overarching theme is the unexpected visitor. All right. I want us to remember out of this passage, remember I ask you, what is it that God wants us to learn from these passages? Just history? I doubt it. No, there's something more. There's something that can benefit us in, in our lives now and where we are. The second thing was the, you know, the unexpected visitor uh, uh, is a question. You know, there's a question. Where is Sarah, your wife? He answered the question. Uh, the third thing, though, now is give an account. Somebody's going to have to give an account, and it was Sarah. And in this, I find that uh, Sarah laughed within herself when she heard what the Lord had said. What God had said, she laughed within herself, but then she denied it. Interestingly enough, the Lord made her give an account of her thoughts and give an account of why she thought that. And he pointed out, and I think he corrected her, is anything too hard for the Lord? And so uh, that's, the, that's the one thing I, that I'll refer to later. The other thing is what we're about to read. And that is taking into account. You know, we'll see that we're going to have to give an account for our lives. But then all of humanity is being taken into account by the Lord. Here's what the scriptures say. In other words, there's a difference between giving an account and taking an account. All right. Sarah had to had to give an account. In other words, she had to recollect, remember, acknowledge, and in this case, admit that, yes, she had laughed. But to take an account is something completely different. When one takes an account, it means to give attention or to consider something or someone, to think about, to consider, uh, to keep something in mind or someone in mind, because of some important decision that's going to be made in the future. That's what it means to take an account. We have in the scriptures various occasions where when Jesus was teaching, that there would be a parable, he'd say, of the master went away, but when he came back, he then asked everyone to give an account, but then the master would then take account. He would take an account of how the servants have done. Well, that's what we're seeing here. And so here, now we're going to see where the Lord is embarking on taking an account of an area. The Lord said to Abraham, shall I, said to those, shall I hide from Abraham everything that I'm doing? Since Abraham surely became a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I have known him in order that he may command his children, his household, and he keeps the way of the Lord, and he does righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he spoke. And then the Lord said to Abraham, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see for myself, 
whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that it has come to me. And if not, I will know. Now that's interesting at various levels. Uh, the, the, the account is, of, of course. But what's interesting is what God said, what the Lord was saying is that there had been, there had been a cry against Sodom and Gomorrah, which we interpret as there had been prayers. There had been uh, others, people, population that were, I guess, calling upon God and saying, this is some evil place. And the cries of the people of that area came up to God and God came down and wants to see if it's actually true. Now, of course, God knows everything. But I think, again, uh, I think, again, that these things are, are recorded for us, for our benefit, to know uh, how that in our lives, no matter what we do, God sees everything. And he says, I will know, which then leads me to uh, understand this and share this. When it comes down to it, not only will we each have to give our account but also all of humanity and all of creation will have to give an account of how and what has taken place in life in general. But more importantly, it, it, we see that all accounts, whether personal, whether in humanity, all accounts literally are in the hands of the Almighty God. Now we call that providence. And I'm thankful that God in His, in His providence is wise, he's discerning, he's powerful for sure. But that's the thing that I think is so important here is that when God, when God judges, when God sees, and he's going down to see Sodom and Gomorrah himself to see what it is, see what's happening, then we must understand, and I think, again, this is why it's preserved all things are in the hands of what we would say is Almighty God. And I'm thankful that He is just. I'm thankful that He's all-powerful, meaning that He can carry out what He... But I'm also thankful that He's merciful, as we've seen in various places in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, He spared, he spared um, in Jonah's time, a city of Nineveh, simply because they repented. So he, he, is, he is merciful. He's patient. He's very patient. Not to a fault, but certainly more patient than we are. Long-suffering, but with all of that said, he still nonetheless is righteous. And he does not wink at unrighteousness. So the Lord is going to take an account of everything that he has become aware of by the prayers of other people, prayers of his people, let's say. And so he's going down there. So then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. In other words, two of them began to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah. But one of them, the Lord, was still there, and Abraham stood in front of him, waiting. 
Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Good question. Certainly, I know probably what he's thinking. His first thought was his nephew, Lot, and all his family. And so Abraham is asking the Lord, are you going to destroy everyone if there are some righteous people there? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you destroy the place and, and, and not spare it for 50 righteous people? Far be it for you to do such a thing. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so the Lord said, If I can find 50 righteous within the city, I will spare all the place for their sakes. Well, then Abraham said, Well, you know, I'm dust and I'm ashes and I've, I'm choosing to speak to you, Lord. But suppose there were five less than 50. What if there were only 45? And the Lord, I can imagine, looked at him and said, if I can find 45, I will spare the city. Well, suppose there's just 40, Abraham said. The Lord said, I will not do it if I can find 40. Well, then Abraham said, well, what about 30? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Finally, we, we, he's getting to the end of this. And I can easily in my mind hear that Abraham, while he was courageous talking at first, he's now probably a little subdued. And he kind of leaned forward and he said, well, what about if you find 20? And the Lord said, I, I will not destroy it if I find 20. And finally, Abraham, and I think it was from his heart, his concern for Lot, leaned and said, what about 10? And the Lord said, I will not destroy the city if I find 10. Just 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So here we have an account of Abraham, his faith. His faith in God, his faith in what God says, his faith in the power of God, his faith in the justness of God. But in the meantime, we find that while this has been preserved, not just for a historical aspect, but I think for us, what can we then learn or derive from seemingly such a small, insignificant passage as this? Well, the first thing is this, the unexpected visitor. The scriptures are very, very clear that one day God will visit his creation. Christ will return. He will be taking an account of everyone and everything. Jesus taught this uh, in his ministry. Here's what he said in teaching one day. He says, as it was in, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, married wives, given in marriage until the, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, he says, as it was also in the days of Lot, 
They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. One thing we can learn is God's word is true. And there's, there will one day be an unexpected visit. Now, the reason I say unexpected visitor is because Jesus says it will happen in a day when, every, when you least expect it, which reminds me of Abraham sitting under the tree by himself in calm waters at that certain age. He least expected that visitor, but yet that visitor came on that day. Likewise, for us, when we least expect it, there will be an unexpected visitor. Secondly, as Sarah had to give an account, and so did, you know, Abraham, where's your wife? Where is Sarah? It reminds me of early on in the book of Genesis, the account uh, questions. You remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden? God gave them very specific instructions of how to please him. But they decided, after being tempted and believing someone else or, you know, other than God, they decided to, as it turned out, disobey God. Well, when God, the scriptures say, Genesis chapter 3, was unexpectedly walking through the cool of the garden one day, he asked three questions. Adam, where are you? Adam said we were hiding because we were naked. God said, who told you? And when Adam and Eve explained it, God said, what have you done? These are the kinds of questions that we can all expect from that unexpected visitor that will one day we'll all have to stand before. We each will have to give an account. In fact, Jesus again taught this. He says, I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So each of us, like Sarah, like Abraham, we too will have to give an account. But then there will also be a taking account of the world in which we live. We sometimes become very, very distraught, and rightly so. But what's interesting in the passage that we've read about Abraham, it wasn't just the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah that brought the Lord down. It was the cry against Sodom and Gomorrah, which means, it means that we have every right and should exercise that benefit and, I would say, wonder that we can go to God and ask him to heal our lands, to guide our people, to pray for those who need it. Because it was the cry against wickedness that God heard. And I think we can learn that today. God still hears the cries against wickedness. Now that stands in contrast to just simply being quiet or being dismissive 
or being shaped, being conformed by the world. Let it not be said that God's people today have been shaped so much by the world that we fail to pray to our Lord about the wickedness that he despises. There will be a taking of account of all humanity one day. Second coming, end of the world, there will be an account. Don't know all the details, but I know enough that the scriptures tell us that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch, keeping watch over the wicked and the good. In the book of Job, it's confessed that there, there is no darkness, no shadow of death, where the workers of evil may hide themselves. I like what the apostle Peter wrote, though, when he was talking about this in, second, in the second epistle. Here's what he said. He's talking to the church. He said, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. However, however, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is simply long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. We see that in the discussion of the Lord with Abraham. It's not that he wanted to destroy. If he could find righteous people, if he could find 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, he would not destroy the city. Now, what does that mean for us today? I'll tell you what it means to me personally. As long as there are some who are turning to the Lord, as long as there are those who are listening to God's word or searching to please God, I think the Lord still to this day is long-suffering. We may wonder when things will end. We may not know. In fact, Jesus says only the Father knows, not even the angels know. I don't know. But I do know, and I've been told, and I see in the Scriptures, that as long as we have, it's not that wickedness is so powerful it's that God's long-suffering is so rich. As long as people are turning to the Lord, listening to the Lord, dedicating their hearts to the Lord, he's long-suffering. He says, the day of the Lord, however, Peter writes, will come as a thief in the night, an unexpected. In this case, unexpected and unwelcome. In the night, the heavens will pass away, great no elements will melt with a fervent heat, earth and the works. Therefore, he says, knowing these things are coming, Peter writes, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider, and this is key, consider that the long suffering of the Lord is our salvation. So, I think we can see that in, in Abraham's dialogue with the Lord on that, on that hot day. Abraham was seeking for, for help or salvation or not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there were righteous people there. And the Lord was willing to do that. Yet, as we will see, the Lord couldn't even find ten righteous people. And so, for us, I think 
we can learn, we can hear, and we can wrap our minds around this, that one day all of us will have that unexpected visitor. We will have to give an account, and it will be in the time that everyone will be giving account about everything. Therefore, how should we live? Well, I'll close with this. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse. Book of Ecclesiastes, last verse. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of humanity. God shall bring every work into judgment, and with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So this morning, determine in your heart that you know that one day we each will have that unexpected visitor that comes before us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to be in your house, to read the scriptures, to be reminded of how, how we each have a, a duty, it's a good duty, to serve you and to follow you. May we not be forgetful, but Lord, may we also at, this, at the same time be prayerful. It does concern us about our world, about humanity, about the way things are. But as we've read in the scriptures, we know that you are not blind. You see everything. You know everything. And Lord, we know that you hear everything. I pray today, Lord, that we would be faithful in praying for righteousness as the Lord taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May we pray that. May we seek that. But also, Lord, may we realize that we too have that responsibility and should be aware that one day we all will have that unexpected visitor that we will have to give an account. And may it be a good account, Lord. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. I trust that if you do have a need in your life, you will seek the Lord for the very reasons we read and we're about to read in the life of Abraham because it's the good thing, the right thing to do. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is our duty. But in that, it's also a wondrous thing. And I, I, I like thinking about Abraham seeking well, his, the well-being of his, of his nephew Lot. It's good to be a part of God's family. And so this morning as we sing, sing this song, if you have a need in your life, please come. Uh, because he does love us and he does want to help us as we sing. Brother 170. 170. As we sing, would you like to come this morning?